This is our next segment on Achtas Hashem. And I think it's the 19th or the 20th because I decided not only to do the Haskola of Achtas Hashem but to bring the basic Psukim. So we did Anechi, we did the Ataris Ladas, we did Vaidaitayim, we did the Nechi Avayelakecha, and we did Shema Yisrael. And then Shema Yisrael that got completely carried away. We have one more Pasik to do, and that's Ani Avayelay Shanisi. Ani Hashem Lei Shanisi. Which is the only one which is not a Pasik in Chumish. I think it's a Pasik in Malachi. But it's brought in Tanya. Chelek Nishin Peirikhof. Right, the, the Pasik of Yadaita is in the second Chelek. The Pasuk Shema Yisrael is connected to the second Chelek. The Pasuk Ani Avaya Lashanisi is in Tanya Chelek Nishin Peirikhof. Tanya chapter, section 1, chapter 20. And 21, of course. It's four words. Ani Hashem Lashanisi. There's more to the Pasuk. And Chesidah sometimes brings that Pasuk to juxtapose it against the second half of the Pasuk. But the words that are relevant to us at the moment are the four words Ani Hashem Lashanisi. And basically, the Pasuk makes two statements. Ani Hashem, Hashem introduces himself, I'm God. And then he qualifies that introduction by saying, Loisha Nisi, I'm unchanged. And of course, the understanding is, Ani Avaya Nisi means that whatever happens, happens because of Hashem, nothing happens without Hashem. But in spite of whatever it is that may happen, that can only happen because of Him, none of that affects the change in Him. That's the Taish. Ani Avaya, I'm Hashem, whatever Hashem means. And Leishanisi means, even though nothing happens without me, all that occurs, which affects change vis-a-vis the creation and what have you, Leishanisi has no effective change on HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself. So, in Samach Vav, the Rebbe Rasha brings this Bazak in Hashem Leishanisi. And he assumes that Ani Hashem means the Ebishter himself. And he explains Leishanisi, the idea that Hashem is involved in the creation without the creation affecting and changing him, because the entire creation comes from his light, comes from Oyer, comes from what we call godliness. And any kind of concept of Shanisi, any kind of concept of change, even the most esoteric and theoretical and abstract, is not associated with him, but his, with his himliness, with his light. That's all explains it in Samachbal, that the entire creation is from a order. Everything that happens that involves change, which is all that happens in creation. Creation itself is change. First there wasn't a creation, and there is a creation, and the creation itself goes through all kinds of change. All of that change happens outside of him because Ani Hashem, the Ibishtah himself, in his relationship with the world, doesn't change because all the changes to happen outside of him, in his oyer, in the light of the Ibishtah. And in order for the Eber Ashab, to support this interpretation, the Rebbe Rashab gives us this very complicated discussion on the relationship between Eidin Seif and Hashem, between godliness and God. That on the one hand, godliness cannot happen without Hashem willing for it to happen, it has to be a Gilead Itzainis. Because of Kfayachal, Hashem is compelled to have godliness, Oyer, that He doesn't have control, which makes it more than one. But on the other hand, the way godliness it emerges from Hakadosh Baruch Hu, in spite of the fact that as Yilid it's saying, it's called Memele, it happens passively. It's not a creation. It's not a proaction. Hashem is not doing something in order for Eir to be. He's simply being in order for Eir to be. 
This duality that Oyd is Ritzainus, it only exists because he wants it to. And Oyd is Memela, that it exists without him having to do it, is a very complicated dichotomy, paradox. It's very, very hard to understand. I don't understand it. I've learned it. I listened to the Shurim on it. Come in. But it's very important in explaining Ani Hashem Leishanisi that although nothing happens without Hashem, the changes, the changes of form don't happen. In Elokus, in they happen in Elokus. Now, of course, the million dollar question is if Oyd emerges from Elokus and then in the Oyd there's Ratzin and then the Ratzin creates worlds and all the other things that happen. All of those things happen because Hashem wants them to happen. And if all of those things happen because Hashem wants them to happen, then His wanting them to happen already constitutes a change. So what is being gained by saying that all the Shinoyim are Chutzla Etzim? I will address this question after I bring you another uh, Maimir that discusses this Pasuk Ani Hashem Le'ishanisi. And that, of course, is the classic Maimir of Tanar Abonanir Chanukah. And it's repeated again in Ha'omnam, in the Hemshech of Rabrachia, and in many Maimorim that follow that particular stream of Maimorim. The Rebbe Rasha brings the Pazak Hashem Leishanisi. And what he does, in effect, is before he defines Leishanisi, he defines an Avaya. In general, in Torah, words are very important. Words are important and precise. And it's certainly true in Kabbalah and Hasidus. So whenever you discuss an idea, the idea needs context. The idea needs context. Meaning, when you're talking about Hashem Himself, what we call, for lack of words, we don't really have a word that properly denotes that. And we don't really have a philosophy that properly enlights that. It's, it's beyond anything that we can study in any way, shape, or form. You know, I've told you the word that I heard in the name of Rabbi Solneach Blinitsky, that he was once at a Fabrengen with the Rebbe Rashab, and the Rebbe Rashab was talking about Hashem, God, as a child knows God, and the Rebbe Rashab was musing, he was sort of, he was talking to himself, and he said in Yiddish, Faran, Faran, which means there is, there is. What there is, we don't know, but there is. He was trying to communicate to the boys how serious the idea of God is, Hashem. Now, we study Hasidus, and Hasidus speaks so much about Hashem. But we learn as we study that Hasidus is really quite frequently, or almost always, certainly Kabbalah is, it's not speaking about Hashem, it's speaking about Hashem-liness. It's speaking about a definition. And this is certainly true in Torah. When Torah uses words, and words have meanings, so rarely is an illusion in Torah talking about Atzmos, the Ebishter himself. Now, of course, there is the underlying idea of Ani Zeatinik. When a little child reads, Vaydavad Hashem or Mesha Lamer, God spoke to Mesha Rabbeinu and told him Lamer, that he should speak to the Jewish people, the little child knows that this means Hashem. And he's right. There's more truth to the little child's interpreting Hashem as meaning Hashem himself and all the fancy ideas that are then 
developed around that word in Kabbalah and in Hasidus. So there is that, that ultimately we need to be small children, and as small children we're constantly referencing Hashem. But in terms of limud and in terms of analysis and study, words have to be defined very precisely, they have to be explained very distinctly, and you can have philosophical conversations within a pretty broad parameter that allows you to understand. In other words, ultimately, when it comes to what we call Atmos, the Abish to himself, it's beyond our understanding. Nevertheless, so much Torah is dedicated to understanding the names of Hashem and the relationship between the world and Hashem, and I guess in some way the relationship between Hashem and the world, based on how the words of the Torah are precisely defined in Primias HaTorah, in Secrets of Torah, in Kabbalah. So when the Rebbe Rashab is interpreting the Pasuk, and he violation easy, the first thing he needs to do is define the word Havaya. And uh, there's three definitions to Havaya. And accordingly, there's three Ani Havayas. And accordingly, accordingly, there's three Leishanisis. There's a letter from the Rebbe, which is written to Rabbi Zevin, which is printed in Igris Kaidish, which is a response to a letter that Rabbi Zevin wrote to the Rebbe when he was working on the encyclopedia, Talmud, the Halachic Encyclopedia, on the Erech of Hashem's name, which I think is Alov Zayn, Askoris, but I could be wrong. And he wrote to the Rebbe that if the Rebbe would give him some information from Chastiris and Kabbalah, he would include it. And he did in the footnotes. You see that he mentions Tanya, he mentions the Kutatayr. I once looked it up. And the question that he asked the Rebbe is, how do you understand Yud Kevavke, the divine name Havaya, in Chassidus and in Kabbalah? So the Rebbe wrote to him, basically, there's just three definitions. The lowest definition of Havaya means the Creator, Havaya Lashem Mahave. That Havaya is spelled Hey Vav Hey, and on top of the Hey there's a Vav, a Choylom, and, and underneath the Vav there's a Komet. Hoiva. And Hoiva means Creator. Creator. It doesn't mean being, it means Creator. And then there's a Yud with the Shva underneath it before, which means present tense. So Havaya means the Creator that's creating perpetually. Every second he's creating. It's the lowest definition of Shem Havaya. This is talking about Hashem's name, Havaya, which is Ain Safe, but it's the idea of Hashem's name, the idea of Ain Safe, in as much as relating to the world in order to make it be. The second edition of Hashem Havaya is that he's higher than time. As far as Havaya is concerned, there is no past, present, and future. It's all crunched into a singularity. And this basically is an allusion to Shem Havaya, which is referencing Ain Saf, or Eid Ain Saf, godliness. And of course, there are many, many levels of Ain Saf, many different levels of Eid Ain Saf, and accordingly, there's many different Shem Havayas. They're all basically the same thing, above time, but there are many, many levels. There's the different Miloy, Absag, Maban, and all kinds of other stuff. This Shem Havaya is what you'll find in all the fancy Kabbalah Svarim, that in every sphere there's a different Nikud, right? Havaya of Kesed is Komatz, Havaya of Chochmah is Patach, Havaya of Bina is Tzede, Havaya of Chesed is Segel, and so on. There's Ten Nikudis, like it says in Kabbalah Svarim, which the Rebbe once discussed, that parallel the Ten Sphiris, and the four letters of Hashem's name, Yud Kei Vav Kei, the Nikud determines which, the, the Oir, the Tzir in the Oir of each Sphere that's going to go into the respective, into the appropriate Keli. So the first Shem Havai is always spelled the same way, the way it is in our Siddur. It's Hoiva, Choylem Hei and Kometz Vav, and before it is a Yud Vodeshva. The second Shem Havai, which is higher than time, 
every single name of Hashem, depending on which sphere it corresponds to, has a different niku, a different set of vowels underneath it. Kometz, Patach, Tzedir, Segel, and so forth. The highest Shem Havaya is what the Rebbe would refer, refer to often as the Leis Ramis, Leibishum Eis, Leibishum Kates. This Shem Havaya doesn't have any letters. It doesn't even, it certainly doesn't have any vowels or any crowns. It's a, it's, it's, we use the word Havaya even though it doesn't come down into Oasis, into letters. And this is what we call Atmos. Hashem is called Shema Etzem. It's Hashem's name as it relates to Himself. And on this level, this you have in Samarvav, the meaning of the word Havaya is I am. Like the word from the Rebbe Rashab, basically, that I mentioned earlier, the Havaya means Faran, is present. Period. It's a very profound idea that the definition of Hashem's name Havaya is I am. It's not defining His strength, it's not defining His power, it's not defining His overarching influence or control. It's simply I am. And of course, Hasidus argues that the notion of I am is deeper and higher than anything other than that phenomenon. So if you have three Havayas, you have three Leishanises. Ani Havaya. Hashem says, I am Havaya. If Havaya means Ani Havaya, Havaya, I am the Creator, Havaya, Lashem Havaya. So the meaning of Leishanisi, I haven't changed, means the way the Abish relates to the world is that in spite of the fact that he's involved in the world, his involvement in the world does not make a change in him. Why? So this is how the mimer goes, that we say, Ein etzem master aletzem. Hashem is infinite. Havaya that creates is also infinite. But it's screened, it's blocked by other things that affect that the world should appear finite, the world should be appear separate from Him, the world could even appear in a way that it denies Him. All of these changes that happen in the world are due to the process by which Shem Havaya creates. And it creates through the medium of Shem Elikim the name of God that conceals and hides, the divine power of concealment. And Aviyah violation Yisi means that even though Hashem is creating the world by manifesting through Shem Elikim or Shem Adne or whatever the particulars are, the Shem Avaya doesn't change. But it does change. It's changing off an awful lot, right? Is is a creator of a dynamic world that relationship affects the change in him. So the Rebbe Rashab introduces us the idea of Ein Etz which means when something is changing without an outside effector, it's not a real change. In other words, just like you would say, um, what would be the definition of a person being imprisoned? The definition of a person being imprisoned means he's in a jail cell, and the jail cell is locked. But you have to add one more detail, that he doesn't have the key. If he's in jail, the jail is locked, but he has the key, then he's not really a slave. He's not really imprisoned, because he can leave it anytime he wishes. So if he does, if he chooses not to leave, that's his choice. But he's not a prisoner. For somebody to be imprisoned, he has to have no control. And the same is true here. For somebody to have, for the Abishta to be considered changed, because of his relationship to the world, the change in him has to be from something outside of him. And the argument is that the Shema Lekim and the Shema Vaya are both Shema Kedeshim. They're godly names. They're not like Malachim. And the name, the various names of godliness, are basically different expressions of what God is and one name of godliness and a second name of godliness is not incompatible, there's no contradiction. So when Elkim covers over Avaya, obviously to the world it's changed. But Elkim covering over Avaya is like a person being imprisoned and having the key to his cell, that the limitation is not a real limitation. Or the other expression which is used is Hagbola. Self-imposed limit is not a limit. The limit means I don't have any control over me. 
So that's the first answer. If Ani Havaya means Hashem is a creator, the Loi Shani doesn't mean he's not changing. It means that the change is not real. In other words, the change is not something that he can't help. Because the change is by his will. And the effect of the change is coming from an, another aspect of what he is. And anytime he wishes he can undo that change, the change does not constitute a real change. And that's the Pshat Ani Havaya so to repeat, in other words, in the first definition of an violation is there's a change in Avaya, but it's not considered a real change because it's a self-imposed change. That's the first definition of an violation is. But then in the second definition of violation is, which goes on Eden Sof. This is higher. Eden Sof is also involved in the worlds for a variety of reasons. And ultimately, the reason Eden Sof is involved in the world is because we hold, we, that means Hasidus, and many Mekubalim hold that Simsum is Shalei When the Abisha created the world, he had to hide himself for the worlds to be. But the hiding of self is not a real hiding. The, the um, hiding of the alien Seif is not a real hiding because he didn't really remove it from the so-called space where creation is. He simply made it invisible. So the second definition of Avaya, which goes on alien Seif, is Leishanisi. So the quote that is used is because Ain't safe is the same everywhere because it's ain't safe. The difference is how the creation is able to perceive it. Some creations perceive more of it, some creations perceive less of it based on their sensitivity. But whether they perceive more, they perceive less, that change is not in the ain't safe, the changes in themselves. So this is a higher and a finer ania violation, you see. On this level, the ain't safe is really only one, and we call it save of Kalalman. And the safe is not changing, it's not adapting. But other people's access to it is changed and adapted. So it's less of a change than the first Aniyah violation, you see, which is a real change, except that it's, it's a master letzim, a self-imposed limit. It's not a limit. And in the second shame of it's not a change at all. It's simply a question of revealed and hidden. It's safe On higher levels, more of it's revealed. On lower levels, less of it is revealed. But the change is only in the perception of the recipient and not in the Eden safe. That's the second definition of Ani Avaya, and that's the higher definition of Leishanis. Then you get to the highest, and this is very difficult to understand, maybe because it doesn't even make sense. It's higher than Seichel. And that is, Hashem has no definition. Hashem's existence is called Matzi Leib Metzias, Metzias, Bilti Metzias, His existence has no definition. And if His existence has no definition, it can't be changed. You can only change something from one form to another. Hashem has no form, so there's no concept of change. Whatever he wishes is him. Since he has no definition, he has no form, whatever it is that he wants is him. Whatever he engages in is not considered a change in him because whatever he's engaging in is actually him. And that's the highest level. The idea that whatever he intends to do is not coming from him, it is him because he doesn't have any definition. So, when you're talking about Avaya, you mean Hashem himself. And on this level, or on this truth, the meaning of Avaya is there's no definition at all. Whatever it is he invests him is not considered a change in him because it's him. In other words, there's no form in the first place. The form is not taking on a different form. Whatever it is that he wishes becomes him. Now this is odd because, you know, before he didn't want and now he does want. And then you have to start going into the whole question if there is a notion of time and a before and an after and really the answer is there is no time and there is no change so it becomes very complicated it becomes very 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 involved 
to understand what this means that Hashem wants to create a world that's not a change in Him because He's His want and the want always is because there's no time as far as He is concerned there's a lot of details the underlying issue is that since He has no form or well, the end of the discussion is since He has no form He cannot have change and whatever it is He's involved with this is Him and the nature of His involvements is that just like He doesn't change His involvements don't change and that's the highest definition of any violation Nisi. Now once you add this highest definition of violation Nisi, you can go back and explain what the Rebbe Rashab says in the Samach Vav. That the reason any violation Nisi is true because the Shanisi happens in Oida, not in the Eibish, not in Elikus. And I mentioned at the beginning of this segment that the change happens in the Oida, doesn't happen in him, but he wills those changes. And by willing those changes, the changes are happening in him because he's changed. And this is the answer. Since he has no form, whatever it is he's doing, this is him. It doesn't, can, doesn't constitute change because it's simply him. And like I said before, there, when you understand this level or this idea comprehensively, you appreciate that whatever it is that he's involved with is not connected to time and space. It doesn't change. It always is. So those are really one and then three more definitions of a near violation. You see? And this is a rather, it's a long segment. It's over 20 minutes long. And it's also rather mystical and philosophical. And of course, the point of this is, the way Hasidus explains it, is that near violation, you see, doesn't only mean that Hashem creates the world and it doesn't affect a change in Hashem. But because when Hashem makes the world, He makes the world from Himself. Hashem didn't go to Caldors or to Home Depot or to Brooklyn Lumber and get supplies to create the world. The world is created from Him. So in as much as any violation, Nisi, Hashem is not changing creating the world, the world, in as much as it's Him, it's also Leishan The world itself, considering that it's a part of Him, on either on the first level or on the second level or on the third level, is also Leishan The world that we perceive is not really as we perceive it because the changes that happen in Elokus are not really happening in Elokus. So the point of an violation is not just some kind of abstract philosophical insight into what the Laka or Elokus is. It has everything to do with the world. That if Hashem creates the world in such a way that He's never inhibited by the limitations the world opposes upon Him, then the limitations of the world are also not real limits. Because He's in the world. And the same is true on the second level. The lower worlds don't experience godliness. The higher worlds experience more of godliness. But whether you experience it or not, godliness is everywhere and therefore the world is a part of godliness. And this is certainly true on the highest level, on the level of Atmos, where we say that since he has no definition, whatever he wants is him. So on this highest level, when he wants the world to be, the world is him, and that's also not a Shanice.